Well, welcome to Christ's Journey. I am Pastor Bill, and it's an exciting privilege for me to welcome you once again as we continue our series, Arrows, Fighting for Your Family. And wherever you're connecting with us, Kindle Campus, Gables Campus, across the nation, around the world, our prayer is for God's blessing to be on your family today as we fight the good fight. Now, together we are learning that God helps make the hard place sweet. And today's topic is one of those hard ones in family life, parents raising children. Now, every one of us have a parent story. Some of us are parents now. Some of us are thinking, hey, maybe someday I'll be a parent. Some of us, when we think of parents, we say, thank you, God, for our parents. And others of us are still trying to recover from the way we were parented. The title is tension. And sometimes just bringing up the topic creates a tension. And that's because it's built into the parent-child relationship. Like the string of a bow relating to the arrow, so also tension is built in to parenting children. And part of that tension is because the awesome and challenging task of parenthood is the only major job in life that people take on without previous training, without previous experience in it, right? And that inadequate preparation finds us out. And then another part of that tension is that every child has a mind of their own. Every child is different. And that kind of keeps things interesting and, and confusing along the way, right? Kind of, it brings this quote to mind. I know I have not found the answers to all of my questions. And the answers I have found only serve to raise a whole set of new questions. But in some ways, I'm as confused as ever, excuse me, but I believe that I'm confused on a higher level and about more important things. Anybody relate to that? Parenthood brings that about. Or maybe, of course, the quote, as you see, is credited to unknown. Maybe they're even confused about that. The parent-child relationship can do that. It leads to confusion along the way. And Pretty much every age and stage of life has a new wave of opportunity and confusion that comes. But that opportunity is a chance to grow together and to trust God to meet us there and make the hard place sweet. God has great plans for every child. He has sweet plans for every child, even the ones that are raising children. Did you know parents are children too? Parents are arrows in the hands of God for the purposes of our children. And uh, kids and parents are growing together through the tensions of parenthood. Somebody said, having a child is to forever have your heart walk around outside your body. Parents know what that means. And sometimes it can give you pause. Like, the day the Sunday school teacher asked some first graders to share some happy thoughts. And so the class started volunteering their happy thoughts. You know, somebody said pizza. Somebody else said abuela's house, going to grandma's. Somebody else said uh, birthday parties. And then little Susie said, I'm pregnant, which kind of stopped the teacher cold. She said, Susie, why, why would you say that? And Susie said, well, I heard mommy say that to daddy. And he said, now there's a happy thought. What are we to do with our happy thoughts as parents? Well, the story of Manoah 
in Judges chapter 13 is a good place to start. Manoah and his wife are childless. They're unable to conceive until one day his wife gets a baby announcement from God. Verse three, you're going to conceive and have a son. And the woman goes to her husband and tells him, and what does our new dad-to-be do? I mean, he hits his knees just like, just like that. Verse eight, Manoah prayed to the Lord, oh Lord, I beg you, let the man of God you sent to us come again and teach us how to bring up the boy to be born. God, help us raise this child. This is the place to start. He doesn't ask for a confirmation that a child is coming. Is my wife right? He doesn't ask for a due date or a paternity test. You know what he prays for? He said, Lord, help me know how to raise this child. Parents, God is giving us an opportunity to partner with him in raising our children through having them, which brings me to back to our pray.com opportunity. We're asking hundreds of our congregation to join us as we pray for our families, pray for our children. Thank you to the many of you who've already stepped up. I wanna invite everybody. We're looking for 1,000 prayer partners who will cover our families with prayer. And if you tried and it didn't work, then check with a guest services person or go to the cafe or the lobby at Kindle, the cafe at Gables, and get somebody to help you so that we can have hundreds of us praying just like Manoah did. Lord, help us raise our children. Here's the one point of this entire message right here. We partner with God in the tension of parenting so our kids can handle the tension of living. That's what we're praying for. You want to know, what are we praying for? Our church is committed to doing that. To what? We partner with God in the tension of parenting so our kids can handle the tension of living. Now, we call that thinking orange. Red is the heart and love of home. Yellow is the warmth and light of God's truth in church. And we bring them together and God gives us a vibrant orange from which we can provide nutrients for every child's benefit. If God has a plan for every child's life, then it just makes sense, doesn't it, that we would consult with God about it? So we begin with the end in mind. Begin with the end in mind and pursue God's promise for your family. That's what Manoah does. Lord, help us raise this child. And the New Testament affirms it. In the letter to the Ephesians, chapter six, Paul says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Kids, children are not, they're to be able to trust their parents to be looking out for their welfare to the point that they will be protected and provided a long life on earth in God's promise. Kids aren't just supposed to obey their parents to stay out of trouble. Kids are to obey their parents because they're trusting their parents to help them get in on God's promise. And then Ephesians chapter six, verse four. Fathers, dads, don't exasperate your children. 
Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Children need instruction. Children need training. Why? They don't come equipped for the challenges of life. They don't come equipped for what the world is going to put on them. And parenting helps them get the tools they need to experience God's promise in their lives as they grow. But exasperation, exasperate. Now that's a tension word, isn't it? So here we see promise, a promise of God's good long life and exasperation in tension, tension of parenthood. The word exasperate means provoke to anger. Uh, we all know what that means. Authority can be abused to provoke to anger. A parent's authority can provoke a child to rebellion to um, resentment, or to despair. Now, grown-ups know about this too. I mean, from a micromanaging boss, you had one of those? Was that exasperating? Did you get angry because somebody was so controlling and domineering over you? Or an overbearing coach with name-calling and put-downs, you know? What are you saying? Dads, don't do that. That's exasperating. Don't trigger anger. Instead, the, con the, the, uh, the other side of that fence is this. Authority can be used to empower. It can be used to create an affirming and respectful, loving environment that inspires and challenges. So to begin with the end in mind means to pursue God's will and God's promise for your child's life. You help them find and follow Christ and then receive God's blessing as they do which to state the second application, we could say cultivate a home environment of hope and love, one that is focused on receiving God's blessing and accessing God's promise. And the church can help out in that, but the home life is where it really takes root. So not to provoke to anger means this. You think sensitively about your family's feelings. Now today that's called emotional intelligence, the language of the soul. And parents, parents are not to be over-controlling or, or emotionally distant, but rather we're supposed to be aware and attentive, which means that we've got to keep growing even as our parents are growing. I mean, as our children are growing, right? Parenting isn't just about kids growing, it's about parents growing too. And uh, raising a child is not about breaking their will. It's not about dominating their will or being dominated by their will. What is it about? It's about equipping them so they'll be ready to launch like an arrow from a bow well drawn and then impact their world for good and for God. We partner with God in the tension of parenting. So, our kids can handle the tensions of living. Now, by the way, Lisa and I were in a store recently, and I saw this little, probably a two-year-old toddling around in store, had a shirt, a T-shirt on. It said, I may be small, but I'm the one in charge. <laughs> we know what the shirt's talking about, right? Parenting involves power struggles. But listen, it's not about proving who's in charge. It's about parental authority Parenting that is used to help each child 
get the equipment they need at every age and stage in life that will help them grow to the next level. Help them see what they can be and then help them, give them the tools to choose to go there. And we see Luke, do, uh, Luke identifying how Mary and Joseph did this with Jesus. In Luke chapter two, verse 39, first, we see his infancy and his early boyhood summarized in these few verses. When Joseph and Mary did everything required by the law of the Lord, see, they're building their home on the foundation of God's truth in the presence of his temple. That's, what, that's where they were at the time. They then returned to Galilee from Jerusalem to their own hometown of Nazareth. And verse 40, as a result, they were applying the truth they got from temple in their home life. The child grew and became strong and was filled with wisdom, that's moral intelligence, and the grace of God was upon him. That's the summary of Jesus' infancy and boyhood with Joseph and Mary. They began with the end in mind. We want our child to have a foundation in God's truth, in God's house, and then we want to take that and apply that truth in wisdom at our house in Nazareth. And that's the environment that Jesus' boyhood was spent in. That was what he was surrounded in. Now next, Luke tells the story of Jesus after um, after his childhood years, he's on the threshold of teenage years. He's, he's 12 years old, and he tells us the story of Jesus after his family had taken him to Jerusalem for Passover. He's uh, almost a teenager, and he's sitting at the temple discussing with teachers matters of the law in the temple courts. He's listening, he's asking questions, they're interacting, and they're, the hearers are amazed with his understanding. And the passage concludes once again with this, verse 51 and 52. And what Luke is showing us is this is Jesus' posture in his home environment toward Mary and Joseph as he enters his teenage years. Look at this. He decided he would be with them and obedient to them. And as a result, Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, favor with God and man. It was the environment that uh, Joseph and Mary had cultivated that Jesus was saying, I will enter into that under their parental authority. And as a result, he grew in moral intelligence, in stature, that means in his maturity as a, as a young man. And then Luke wants us to know, and then grace with God and man. Luke wants us to know that it was in the home environment that Jesus had with Mary and Joseph that he grew intellectually, mentally, physically, socially, and spiritually. And God wants our children to grow the same way as he yielded to his parents. So remember, we partner with God in the tension of parenting. That was a tense moment for them. But we do it so that our kids can handle the tension of living. Now the word wisdom Jesus grew in wisdom. It defi it, that defines another area of tension in the parent-child relationship, the one we would call discipline. Discipline. Parents are to discipline their children with an eye toward self-discipline by their children. Each child learns how to discipline themselves because of the discipline of a parent. Now, we've already noted in a previous message that a newborn does not come into the world equipped to face the challenges of the world. Parents are required to provide and protect for that little one's life. And that need does not go away as a child grows, but it does change 
And so a parent needs to change as well as we grow. You don't parent a teenager the same way you correct a toddler or a preschooler, right? And yet over and over, Scripture reminds us, for every age and stage of a child's life, our children do not come equipped with good sense and with wisdom for facing the decision-making challenges before them. Here's how they come. They come affected by the human condition of short-sighted self-interest, and foolishness and self-will that needs to be corrected. That's where discipline comes in. Now, one mom uh, told Reader's Digest that uh, after moving to the country with my three-year-old daughter, here's how she said it, I, uh, we were often alone in our house. And uh, because we lived in a rural area with no close neighbors, I wanted to make sure my daughter would know to call 911, would be able to call 911 in the event something happened to me. So after instructing her, I decided to test her. And I said, okay, what would you do if mommy fell, if you found me lying on the floor and, uh, and yet you couldn't wake me up? And she said, I could see her little brain working. And to my surprise, she finally said, I would go to the kitchen and eat anything I want. If only such thinking ended at pre-K. <laughs> but it doesn't. That's why discipline is needed. And so what is child discipline? Here's my definition. What is child discipline? It is educating a child's thinking, feeling, and doing toward healthy, productive outcomes. Educating a child's thinking, feeling, and doing toward healthy, productive outcomes. Child discipline. It's training in wisdom. And I define wisdom as moral intelligence. It's not, it's not primarily punitive. And that is fear-based, you know? Fear or punishment-based. No, it's meant to be redemptive, empowering. That's wisdom-based. Um, because our youngsters do not come equipped with wisdom. They must be taught it. They must develop it. It has to be taught and learned. Every child needs guidance, boundaries, and correction through consequence. Every child needs guidance, boundaries, and then correction through consequence. And that's why Solomon writes in Proverbs 22, 15, a youngster's heart is filled with foolishness, but physical discipline will drive it far away. That's the way the New Living Translation puts it. Here's the contemporary English version. All children are foolish, but firm correction will make them change. Or maybe you've heard this one, New International. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. Okay, the rod of discipline. You heard this, spare the rod, spoil the child. I mean, you say rod and uh, raise the question of spanking, you've opened a real can of worms these days, right? I mean, it's do I spank or do I not spank? And if the answer is yes, then when do I do it? How do I do it? it should anger be involved at all? How do all those questions get, can, get uh, tangled up in there? Now, some people say, he who strikes the first blow has already run out of ideas. 
On the other hand, some people say, no, no, no. Uh, kids need a pat on the back. And if it's low enough and hard enough, it'll do some good. Maybe some of those sound familiar to you. It's not my purpose today to answer those questions in any kind of depth. For greater insight on that, I want to encourage you to come to our family conference where this can be unpacked, April 20th and 21st. But I can tell you, there are many methods of child discipline and child abuse is not one of them. So if raising the question for you, maybe it, it tags up with a hurt place. You're coming out of a hurt place in how you were parented, in the absence of love and the presence of violence. That's not what, we don't want to do that with our kids. We don't want you to either. That's not what Solomon is talking about. But I do want to give you a little backstory on where Solomon was coming from, his own life story in the family of David. He's speaking from experience in David's family. First, the word rod is the same word that we find in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So David is celebrating the security and strong comfort that God's rod was providing for him as a shepherd. So remember that context. And then second, he's speaking from his experience in David's family, which was not all that positive. His daddy, David, was a great leader and a great king. But you know what? He didn't discipline his sons very well. 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 5 tells us how David's son Adonijah sets himself up to be king. I mean, he tries to lead a coup against his father's kingdom and take it over. And verse 6 tells us why. His father had never interfered with him by asking, why do you behave as you do? Now that's the writer's way of saying, he just spoiled him. He wasn't engaged, he wasn't involved. David wasn't simply permissive, he was negligent. David was absent. And now Adonijah is a man, and that's coming back to bite him and his father. David was a, uh, and hurt his son. David was a permissive, negligent, and absent father. And it hurt. It hurt his son, not only Adonijah, who was David's fourth son, but three other brothers and a sister. His first son, Amnon, was killed by his third son, Absalom. Why? For raping his sister, Tamar. Imagine, where was dad? His second son, Daniel, is absent from the story. It's like he's been completely overlooked. Is he the invisible son, the runt of the family? And, and then Absalom, the third son, also died in rebellion against his dad. Now, maybe that's why Solomon saw this as such a life and death issue, because without discipline, a child defaults into self-centered living that does harm. And Solomon had lived it. He had seen it at home. And that's why I think he's saying, parents, your kids don't need your friendship as much as they need your parenting. They need you to train them in the way they should go. Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way he should go. 
They need your involvement, guiding, setting the boundaries, correcting with consequence. The word train means, or, yeah, to press in. It means to make narrow. It means to set the limits and then guard the boundaries. And God promises to bring certain benefits into a child's life through discipline. Here they are. He will bring benefit like building trust and security, protecting from foolish pride. Discipline will help a child prepare for life in the real world where quantity and quality of work determines opportunity. Discipline is where a child learns humility, that they don't know everything that they think they do. And it's also where they learn how to value correction. Discipline helps them become lifelong learners that will serve them well. And it's where we learn how to deal with disappointment. So much of that in grown-up life, we're supposed to learn how to deal with it in our growing up life. And then also understand timing. You know why? Sometimes we have to wait for what we want. And it's not immediate gratification that comes just because we want it, which is part of the definition of spoiled. And then we get resentful or angry or jealous when we can't have it as soon as we want it. Listen, if a child launches without these lessons, they're in a deficit position in this world. But if they have wisdom, Jesus grew in wisdom because Mary and Joseph had set the environment and then defined and narrowed the boundaries. And, but if a, if a child grows in wisdom, moral intelligence in a loving but firm environment, disciplined with an eye toward self-discipline, then they will be better suited for what the world may bring. Discipline is so important in life that God does it with his grown-up kids as well. I mean, you may not like this part of the talk, but I'm telling you, that may be especially why you need it today. God enters into the tension of discipline with his grown-up kids as well. The writer of Hebrews says this, my son, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't lose heart when he rebukes you. God's not trying to exasperate you with his discipline, but the Lord's he disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone that he accepts as his son. So if you think you're being corrected right now, what's the right way to respond to God's discipline? Verse seven, endure hardship. Hang in there and believe God is treating you as a child, his own precious son. Verse 10, our father's discipline for a while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good. He wants to bring us into his promise and a long life of benefit that we may share his holiness. There's the boundary line that he's setting. Verse 11, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Hey, you got that right. And yet later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. You know what God is doing through discipline? He's parenting with the end in mind. He wants to help us find his blessing in a way that cultivates heart and love. He sets the limits. He guards the boundaries. And the outcome is peace and blessing, a productive life in doing what's right for his grown-up kids as well. This is like the tension of a bowstring and is absolutely necessary for a solid, purposeful flight of an arrow. And God wants parents to manage that tension of promise and discipline in character development for 
our children. He does the same thing for us. Now listen, in an information age, anyone can get knowledge, but wisdom is scarce. Manoah is praying, oh Lord, show us how to raise this child. And he, what he's asking for is wisdom. And it wasn't the last time that he prayed for his son to follow God's way. Now, sometimes in the name of tolerance, you'll hear somebody say, you know, I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna force my faith on my child. They'll just have to make up their own mind, which seems a little bit strange to me because you, you, you usually don't, if, somebody, if somebody's child sasses them, you typically don't hear somebody say, well, I'm not gonna force my behavior patterns on my child. They're gonna have to make up their own mind about manners. Do you? No, if, if your child refuses to go to school, do you say, well, you'll, I'm not gonna force my educational expectations on my child. They'll have to make up their own mind. If your son walks into, he refuses to eat healthy food, he walks into the room with a piece of cake in both hands and says, at last I've got a balanced diet. What do you say? Well, make up your own mind. No. You say, you say, you know what? You better clean up your sassy mouth or it's gonna get you in, in big trouble. You better get dressed and get to school before something worse happens. You better put that cake down because supper's almost ready and I'm not gonna let you get up from the table until your plate is clean, right? And when it comes to faith, we don't say, hey, make up your own mind. We say, oh, Jesus means so much to me and I love you so much I can't imagine you trying to do life without the love and promise of God upon your life. Here's what he means to me. And I can't help but share him with you. We enter the tension. We partner with God in the tension of parenting so our kids can handle the tension of living. What does that mean? Here's what it means. It means you begin with the end in mind and you pursue God's promise for the benefit of your kid. It means that you cultivate an environment of love and hope at home because your relationship is the primary influencer on their life. And out of that relationship, then parent, you discipline, you discipline with an eye towards self-discipline for each child. You know why? Because we're not just trying to make kids behave. We're trying to help them succeed, to know how to live life. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and find life abundant. That's what we want to do. And God wants that for you too. Would you pray with me right now? Lord Jesus, we thank you for the commitment you have made. Gracious Father, to love us as your children, and then to help us grow, to become all that we can be, and that you enter into the tensions with us that we might grow together with our children into your children to make a difference in our world. So I'm praying for every parent today, every child today, every parent's story today, especially the ones that have pain in them, that your blessing would be upon them toward the next step forward. And then, Lord, for those who are joining us who would love to become your child, if that's you, may I offer this prayer as a first step into the family of God. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming, for living the truth, and then for offering yourself in love for me on the cross. Thank you for dealing with my my pride and my sin issues so that you can guide me now into the fullness of your will. Come into my life 
and let your resurrection power define my everyday living. Now, our heads are still bowed for a moment, but if you prayed that prayer to invite Christ to come into your life and the forgiveness of sins, and you would let me ask God's blessing upon your next steps of faith, would you raise your hand wherever you're joining us? Online, there's an orange banner you can click right there on the screen and we'll pray with you as well. Thank you so much. Lord, for every hand that is raised and every heart that is open, we pray that right now as your spirit comes alive, that you would grant each new child of yours the sense of your presence, the confidence that your joy brings, and then the fresh burden lifting peace so that they can start facing each day under your grace as we make our prayer in your name, amen.